0: I get to meet with a group of pastors uh, once a month. We have what we call a covenant group um, that's just a spiritual term for get together for lunch. Um, but we do that once a month and one of my friends was sharing about his membership class and he uh, in his class he said something about how to give to the church and Somebody raised their hand and said, Are we supposed to be paying dues? And he realized that church for many people is another club, it's another organization. And at Kiwanis, you pay dues, in Boy Scouts, you pay dues, and you know, this is just in Rotary, you pay, this is what we do. And so, That conversation has kind of hung in my mind the last few days. That church is not just another club, is it? Church really is the body of Christ. It is the people. It is family. I want us to think about that this morning as we continue to talk together about living a life that outlives me. One of these days, this life is going to come to an end. Wouldn't it be cool to know that when this life ends, I have had an influence and I've started something that is going to last longer than myself. Something that would outlive me. Well, the disciples in the book of Acts were um, those folks that got the church started. You could say without question that they lived lives that outlived themselves. You and I are here today because their lives outlived them. Their influence continued. And so we are looking at the book of Acts and we're learning from those early disciples how they got things started so that we can, like them, outlive our regular lives. So this morning, I want us to think together about how we do that together. We're gonna team up to outlive your life. One of the first things that we learn as we look at the early church in the book of Acts is that they were together. Uh, the the King James says on in more than one place that they were of one accord They were working together That's how we do what we've been called to do and we accomplish what God Wants us to accomplish and we outlive our lives Look with me if you will in Acts chapter 2 beginning in verse 42 And they devoted themselves to the Apostles teaching and the fellowship To the breaking of bread and the prayers. What did these people do to get started? It's all listed in 42. This is how the church became the church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. They committed themselves to one another. That fellowship is koinonia. It's a word that means a whole lot more than party with punch. You know, Baptists hear the word fellowship and we think that means a party. Fellowship is community, it's connection, it's living together. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread, which yes, means the Lord's supper, but it also in this context means they had dinner together. They broke bread in each other's homes. They shared meals with one another. They hung out together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, breaking of bread, and the prayers. And when it says the prayers, it's most likely referring to their tradition as they, most of them were originally Jews who now had come to Messiah, come to Christ, and so they, this is referring to what they had grown up doing, praying three times a day. Often those prayers would take place in the temple itself for those who lived in Jerusalem. And so they continued to worship the Lord, they devoted themselves to the teaching, the fellowship, breaking bread together and prayer. Verse 43, and awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, the church was born and was growing quickly. Verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. Wouldn't that be wonderful? All who believed were together. We are so easily, so quickly divided today. We find so many reasons to split ourselves into categories and to take labels this says all who believed were together. They had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. I'm willing to make a sacrifice to help you when you need help. That's what family does. 46 and day by day attending the temple together. Now did you notice they went to church every day? I just wanted to point that out. Day by day, attending the temple, together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, did you notice in that whole, that whole um, paragraph there was never a singular pronoun there was never me i my it was all they together they devoted themselves to the teaching of the fellowship Awe came on every soul in many wonders all who believed were together they were selling their possessions day by day attending the temple together. That's the way the church was born, and that's the way the church continues to be the church that we were intended to be. As a matter of fact, we looked at this uh, uh, last week or maybe the week before, but look again in Acts chapter one and verse eight where Jesus told the disciples what they were to do next. Jesus died on the cross. They put him in the grave. After the grave, he came back to life. He walked for 40 days on this earth, and then he ascended to be with God the Father. But before he ascended, he gave the disciples their marching orders. And we miss this in English. But if you could see it in Greek, it would be a very important thing to notice. When it says, you will receive power, that you is not singular. In English, we can't tell a difference between singular and plural you. In Greek, it's very clear. This is y'all. This is not you as an individual, but y'all will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon y'all. And y'all will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the end of the world, earth. He was speaking to the corporate body from the beginning. I mean, before the church was even born, God was calling us together to accomplish his purposes as one. Remember that none of us can do what all of us can do. Not one of us can do what all of us can do. His intent for his disciples from the beginning was that they would work together. Those of you who are new to our church, I wanna let you know we have five plumb lines that we call them. The plumb lines are guidelines. You know when you uh, when you build a, a, a house, um, I, I know it's not done that way anymore. But there was a time when they would hold the plumb line. The plumb bob would be a weight at the bottom. It would make sure that string was straight. And when that string was straight, then they could they could build. They could use that as their guideline to build a, a square house to build it straight. And so we have five plumb lines guidelines that help us as a church to make sure that we are the church that God intends us to be as we move forward. And one of those five plumb lines, one of them says, we do church best when we do church in small groups. And why is that? Because from the beginning, it has always intended to be a plural experience. We're supposed to do church together together. Now, if the only experience I have at church is sitting in a pew, then I'm listening to one dude and I'm looking at the back of somebody's head and we're not connecting. Definitely church worship time is valuable, meaningful, and important and necessary. But that's because God deserves it. We're here for him. All right? In order for us to grow, in order for us to really be church, That happens best in groups of 10 or 12 people who meet on a regular basis. We get together. We know each other. You can't connect with the 200 people in this room and the other 100 or so on on live stream. Last week, we had 60 different devices live streaming. And we don't know how many people behind each device. But there's no way that folks who are live streaming and folks in this room, there's no way we can all connect with one another. But yes, I can connect with 12 other people in a real way where I get to know them and they get to know me and we take care of each other. And that is our goal. So we have, we have put together in our church small groups. Really, there are three kinds of small groups. One is the Sunday morning Bible study. That starts at 9 o'clock every Sunday morning. And you connect with other folks in your kind of walk of life. And it it is intended for, uh, there's a curriculum driven thing. It's intended for discipleship and learning. But we get to connect with one another. Then we have what we call short-term Bible studies. Every quarter or so, our ladies will have a ladies Bible study. Every once in a while, our men will put together a men's Bible study, uh, different ones at different times. We have a Wednesday night Bible study uh, just for adults. And so these are short-term Bible studies. You can plug in for a while, study something with other folks, and then move on to something else. But then the third kind of small group we have is what we call life groups. And life groups are a long-term commitment to one another. We'll start a life group with the, at least four folks. And then when it gets to 12, we try to say that's, you know, that's the size of the group we want. 12 is the perfect number for a life group. And those folks then, they get together every other week. Uh, they'll talk. They'll share. They learn about each other. They live life together. And we believe that's where church really happens. You know, a, a snowflake is one of the most amazing parts of creation, isn't it? It's just, snowflakes are beautiful, they're unique. Um, it's, it's incredible how God could form something out of, out of just water and make it so beautiful. But by itself, that beautiful snowflake is incredibly fragile the moment that snowflake lands on you it melts and it's gone if it's by itself it could so easily be blown away and 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 just disappear but when that snowflake connects with other snowflakes then together the snow can become an incredibly powerful force Here's an avalanche that is just a bunch of singular snowflakes that connected into a powerful force. Another way to think of what we're talking about is the jigsaw puzzle piece. When you look at the puzzle piece, it's obvious that it was created to be connected. So were you, by the way. God created you to be connected. When God created all the stuff at the beginning of the world, he said, everything is good, everything is good, everything is good. And then all of a sudden, he looked at Adam and he said, it's not good that man should be alone. And so he created Eve. And from that point on, we, we understand that we have been created to connect to one another. When you look at that puzzle piece, it's obvious that there are places missing, and it's obvious that it's reaching out to something else. Well, when that puzzle piece gets connected to other puzzle pieces, it becomes a thing of beauty. You see, that's, that's how God created us. That's how he planned us. Something is missing in our lives until we really get connected. We are more than followers. We are parts of his body. Now, understand that. If you were just a follower, you could do that on your own. But if you have been saved by Jesus Christ, if Jesus Christ has come into your life, then you are not just a follower. You're a part of his body. And you've got to be connected then. You can can read in the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians about how we are the body of Christ. But perhaps it's, it's even most clear in the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians in chapter 12 beginning at verse 15 says if the foot should say because I'm not a hand I do not belong to the body that would not make it any less a part of the body and if the ear should say because I'm not an eye I do not belong to the body that would not make it any less a part of the body he starts by saying look at these look at this perspective that that so many people today have since I'm not a deacon I'm not that important, since I don't teach Sunday school, since I'm not on a committee, since I don't, it's like saying, since I'm not an ear, I'm just an eye, I don't really matter. So he starts by saying, by looking at it from that perspective, from people who say, I don't really matter. And then he changes to the other perspective and he says, now also be careful of looking at someone and saying, you don't really matter. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? If everybody was like you, what would be the point? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. He gave you gifts, abilities, talents, and interests that make you unique like that snowflake. I know snowflake is not used that way today, but you know what I mean. He made you unique and special, but he made you also to connect in a particular spot. And when you find your spot, you fulfill your purpose and together we are the body of Christ. What does it mean to be the body of Christ? Well, it means quite literally, physically, we are currently his body on this earth. This is how Jesus does his thing on the earth today. We are his hands, we are his feet, we are his eyes, we are his ears, we are his his mouth. We are physically, literally, the body of Christ. And so, our motto here in our church is every member a minister. We don't pay three people to do all of the ministry. Instead, we are all ministers. The three people who get paid for it get paid to help organize and train and equip. But we're all the ministers. Every one of us who believe in Christ have a position in his kingdom, and we have a purpose in his body. A number of years ago in Canada, a little two-year-old girl wandered away from her neighborhood. It was a cold and winter day. Her parents alerted the neighbors and said our, our daughter wandered off. They all got together and they saw tracks in the snow but there were a lot of other tracks as well. So for several hours, the searchers went in all different directions, everywhere, every different direction around the neighborhood and they wandered around calling her name and, Nobody found her, and just before sunset, one of the men said, instead of all working separately, let's join hands. We'll form a long line, and we'll walk through this field together. That way, we can't miss a square foot, and that's what they did. They joined hands, and together walked as one long line, calling that little girl's name, Tragically, they found her frozen body curled up. And one of the men said with great anguish, if only we had joined hands sooner. Beloved, I don't want us to ever wake up and say, if only we had joined hands sooner. We are inundated with reasons to be divided. Our politicians turn us against each other and they do so on purpose. Conservatives versus liberals, Democrats versus Republicans, people who want masks, people who don't, people who want vaccines, people who don't. Even after all the progress that we've made in our community over the last four decades, we still hear people trying to turn Catholics and Baptists against each other. Just the other day on Facebook, I saw a conversation in which people were trying to pit those of us who are from here against those of us who are transplants. Folks, we've got to work together. We've got to be together. Yes, you can find labels, Yes, you can find reasons to divide, but that's cheap and it's easy and it's against God's plan. We've got to work together. We've got to build bridges. We've got to figure out a way to hold hands. We need to be careful as a church because as the body of Christ, we what we do and who we are is too important to let other things divide us. First Peter chapter two at verse nine. You, again, that's plural. And he's talking specifically to the church. You are a chosen race. Did you hear that? You are a race. You're chosen people of God. Your skin may not all be the same color. Maybe you didn't grow up speaking the same language. Maybe your heritage and your holidays differ. But you, church, are a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people. Isn't that interesting? When we think of people as plural, here it's almost used as singular. You are a people. Together you make up one kind of of people. You are a group for his own possession. Maybe if the church remembered that we are not for ourselves but we belong to him, maybe we could get out of ourselves a little bit quicker And stop separating ourselves so easily. We are a people for his possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Why would he connect us? Why would he go to all that trouble? So that we can do the greatest task of all ever. The greatest task of all ever is to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into light and we do that best when we do it together we are a community a fellowship we are a family as with all families we won't always agree with each other but we can still stick together as a faithful believer and follower of Christ you can have such an impact on the world around you that you actually outlive your life but we need each other If we're going to do that on your own, your abilities are limited, your strength is reduced and your influence is minimal. Like the first disciples who started the church together, we can turn the world upside down.